Holstein Friesian cows dominate the global dairy industry in more than 150 countries. But like many other Holstein farmers, you may be struggling with cows that are too big, too hard to get pregnant, or too inefficient. You might also be facing increasing demands for animal welfare and sustainability driven by consumers, retailers, and regulations worldwide. So, to give you the best advice on how to breed healthy, efficient Holstein cows for the future, I've invited two experts to join me. Klaus Langdale, Senior Breeding Manager for Viking Holstein, and Matthew Stott, Country Manager. This is the Breedcast, produced by Viking Genetics. I'm your host, Louise Rowensvane. Well, hello and welcome, Klaus and Matt, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, Klaus is here with me in the studio, and Matt, you're calling in from the south of the UK. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Klaus, let's begin with you. Uh, why has Holstein Friesian been the world-dominating cattle breed for dairy farming around the world, really, for the past few decades? Well, to, to me, I think the, the easy, simple answer is a really high production level. I think that that's uh, that's one of the key elements that you will always find in a Holstein Friesian cow, uh, a really high production, um, creating a lot of 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 course uh, turnover uh, for the farm, uh, a lot of uh, of good income for for the farm. Uh, so that that is the main part I see uh, because it has been from a genetic point of view, uh, uh, highly selected uh, genetics for, for production in this. Um, so, so, yeah, that's, the, I think, the main, the main issue in this. From a breeding perspective, what are the advantages of having such a widely spread breed? There are some elements related to having, say, a more efficient breeding scheme if there's a lot of animals. You say you get more to choose from. You have uh, more diversity, you could say, from the biology uh, because of, of uh, many animals in this. Um, so, so that's one aspect in this. And I would say especially during the last years with the genomic selection, I think there has, it has been very obvious that there is a great benefit from having a lot of animals, having a lot of data to to be, say, underlying all your decisions uh, and being very efficient in the selection you can do from a genetic uh, point of view in this. And then there are, of course, also more elements like, you could say, there are more research money. Uh, you could say it's easier to, to get some research focused on the Holsteins because there is a lot of, of uh, money in the industry related to this breed. So, of course, there you say some of the research job going on is uh, highly intense uh, about the Holstein. So that's, of course, a benefit also from, uh, from, uh, from the breed's point of view. Mm-hmm. And what we've also seen in recent years is this focus on an increase in production. For instance, Holstein cow today gives uh, three kilos more milk per day than she just did uh, just five years ago. What are the costs associated with this increase in production? Yeah, it's it's even an you could say it's an increase measured from the calf is born until she leaves the herd. So it's it's uh, you could say that's three kilos more a day. That's a huge growth in in production. 
And that's, of course, you see there are more elements to it. It's because she's longer living and she's producing more kilos per milk that she is actually in production. So, so that you say there are some efficiency traits here that has improved. But it's, you say, Holstein, it has a lot been related to a better production, more efficient production in this. And that has, there has been some downsides to that. Uh, uh, you say the negative relations between high production and the health traits, the fertility traits. I think it's, it's quite visible in the Holstein breed that she is high producing, but she is also to an extent that high, much that high producing that she's actually having trouble keeping healthy. Uh, keeping fertile and so on. So, so that's some of the the downsides about this high focus on production. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue is that it's been a, a you say high production. A, a huge, big Holstein cow is also higher producing. Uh, so she has to some extent also become too extreme in stature. Mm-hmm. So you say it's it's been a little bit moving too exten- intensive towards higher production and forgetting a little bit all these cost reduction traits related to health and fertility. Uh, at least if you if you take it uh, um, from from a production point of view. Mm-hmm. And Matt, in addition to the struggles that Klaus are mentioning uh, with fertility, you mentioned the size, uh, we've read about inbreeding as well. What are the challenges are Holstein farmers facing today? Yeah, I'd say the, the other demands that are coming into the, uh, into the uh, dairy industry now are the drivers from uh, consumers, uh, retailers, and obviously new regulations that are coming in uh, constantly at the moment. Um, particularly with regards to health and welfare, um, efficiency and sustainability. Um, and I think this focus on animal welfare we're already starting to see uh, with regards to not being able to uh, slaughter bull calves at birth. Uh, that's certainly uh, certainly getting more and more widespread now. Um, we're, still, we're starting to see legislation with regards to withdrawing calves from mothers and also um, for the demands for not dehorning animals. Uh, so then we're going to see an increase in pole genetics as we move forward as well, which is certainly the case already in some countries, and that's starting to pull through. Um, but we're also the, the sustainability side is also growing uh, rapidly, um, and I do know that one one of the main milk processes now is uh, looking at methane emissions very hard on individual farms and looking to drive that down. So that that's going to be a key player going forward as well. Yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about just that, uh, climate and methane emission, etc. later on in the show. Uh, from your perspective, how are the Holstein farmers in the UK and Ireland coping with these new demands? Yeah, well, I guess it's it's adjustment to the way they've uh, they've perhaps done things in the past. So if we look at the uh, removal of uh, the slaughter of bull calves, for example, uh, we see that uh, they're using a higher percentage of sex semen. So in the UK, particularly now, the use of sex semen is now at 65% of the dairy semen that's being used, which is a very high percentage, and that's grown 15% since 2020. So we're, we're seeing a huge increase there, which then means that we're seeing an increase in the use of beef semen, beef on dairy semen, thereby uh, changing the whole strategy that uh, perhaps they've used five or six years ago with conventional semen. So Holstein farmers today, they're facing a whole range of new challenges, both in terms of, of health and facility, 
but also with the demands from, you know, the world. Uh, Klaus, you've worked with Holstein Cows for more than 20 years. Um, what solutions are you starting to point modern Holstein farmers today towards? In As I see it, there's actually a quite good relation between what, what Matt is telling about the consumer demand uh, and also uh, an on-farm focus on profitability and efficiency. There's a nice link between this. There's, there's luckily no discrepancies about in, in this. Uh, so, so, so I think that's, that is definitely the, the, the message that uh, we hear from farmers also saying that they, they buy in on this idea about uh, having a closer, more, more careful look at the efficiency in the production. Uh, looking at uh, saved uh, to, to reduce feed costs and, and some of these uh, yeah, elements that cost a lot on, on an everyday farm, of course. Uh, so from a, a genetic point of view, there are several tools uh, to bring in on farm level to, to move towards a direction of uh, a more efficient production. As, as I mentioned, we say the Halstan had been selected so heavily for production, so, so that's not an issue, actually. Of course, we still need the cows to produce milk. That's where the, the earning comes from. Uh, but the part about the health traits, the fertility traits, the efficiency traits, and so on, they are there. They are uh, accessible from a genetic point of view also and can, can be, we say, from a farmer's perspective uh, in, in his strategy. So. And actually, we have a question from uh, one of our listeners. This is from Fleming in Denmark, and he's asking about feed efficiency. Mm -hmm. And his question is, uh, can you talk about the feed efficiency uh, between Holstein uh, versus, for instance, Viking Red? Is there a difference? Are we seeing differences in in uh, feed efficiency be you know, between breeds? Mm. Yeah, this is an interesting area where I would say we are these years or, or months we are learning a lot because we're getting in uh, real data from commercial herds on feed intake. Um, so we're still learning about this concept about feed efficiency. Uh, but as it looks now, there's, there's huge variation uh, both among the breed, but definitely also within the breed. So, so if it's not easy to to give a clear answer to say this breed is better than that breed, I think it's more you say on on animal level uh, deciding this is good and this is bad. So there is there is a huge variation. And actually, our next uh, breedcast episode is on feed efficiencies, the new safe feed index, etc. So I encourage Fleming and others to to keep listening. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in that episode, we'll, we'll dive into feed efficiency. Yeah. Matt, uh, you have a background in the ruminant industry. So I was wondering, in addition to looking at genetics, what else do you, do you tell farmers, uh, not just in the UK and Ireland, I know you work with other countries as well. What do you tell them when they approach you for, for guidance on being Holstein farmers today? I think the key pit, here is that uh, there needs to be collaboration on the farm so we can we as the genetics business can go in and recommend the best genetics but if the other factors on the farm aren't the most efficient and uh, then they're going to struggle to get the best out of that genetics so it's important that uh, there's a team of people working on the farm so you've got the breeding advisor then you've got the feed advisor the vet uh, hoof trimmer 
various people involved on the farm to make sure that uh, that what we supply is also being backed up by the best advice across across the board. So we we certainly look at collaboration, and I think that's something that will change as we move forward. Um, you know, so it's it's working with all those influences really really key to uh, to a successful and profitable business. How has this collaboration been uh, been historically? I would say probably not not fantastic. I think people have perhaps worked in silos. So uh, we, you know, breeding advisors have gone in and recommended the genetics, um, but then there's been no consultation with other people who are involved on the farm in terms of. Uh, so sometimes you work a bit blind. So if if the feeding regime isn't isn't as it should be then you're not going to get the best out of that animal because it's not being fed correctly. So those genetics aren't realised as, as the animal matures. So it, it's absolutely key to have uh, cross, cross-field collaboration on, on the farms. Hmm. Klaus, uh, what benefits have you seen uh, from this kind of very important collaboration between key players on the farm? I think it, it's uh, it's obvious that that we need to to respect that the the data that the farmer is uh, is creating on his own farm that he needs to have as much benefit out of this data as possible so you could say whoever uh, interact with these data should definitely cooperate uh, in this and that's that's what we see uh, to a, a large degree um, when when good data is collected on the farm it's used of course in the management system on the farm help him support his everyday decisions making things uh, more easy to manage uh, but the same data is what is uh, accessible for for in from genetic point of view for for breeding uh, value estimation uh, take hoof trimmers as an example well the farmer is of course depending on hoof trimming and getting the data what what's going on in relation to adjust uh, feed ratios and and everyday things and the same data is added into the index of hoof health and uh, in in that way contributing to him for the next generations but also contributing for his his everyday life and i think uh, as matt says this this cooperation is 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 a key point in exploiting the data as much as possible to to support the farm And Matt, I remember you telling me about you actually had a recent examples of of work, you know, of working with farmers that are approaching breeding in a new way. I think it was a Dutch example on on efficiency. Would you would you care to share that? Yeah, it was a, a few years ago. I was in Holland and uh, we were doing some farm visits, and uh, uh, we were on one particular farm where I had the opportunity to speak to the farmer himself, and I asked him particularly what his key drivers were in terms of his farm business. And the one word he threw at me straight away was efficiency, and I followed that with a question in terms of so how have you achieved to be more efficient? And he said uh, what he'd done is uh, within the breeding program he wasn't looking at the highest yielding animals anymore. He'd actually reduced his overall average milk yield, and uh, that had actually increased his bottom line profitability because it was about looking at the other areas of the business such as the health. Particularly, he'd improved his herd health, so his costs there were lower, and his longevity was long better. So he'd managed to increase the lifespan within the herd, thereby his efficiency was better and his bottom line profitability was higher. So he wasn't chasing yield; he was looking at the overall efficiency across the herd. 
but that was also with regards to collaborating with other people who were involved in that farm and everybody coming together to have a joint approach and, and way of thinking. That sounds like also focusing on, on optimizing rather than always maximizing, like pushing our resources really yeah. to the limits, then, then look at other, yeah. other aspects. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Uh, Klaus, I think it's also worth mentioning that Holstein is a popular breed for crossbreeding. In, in fact, it, in a lot of crossbreeding programs, it's sort of where you start. Um, what do you tell farmers that are considering adding other breeds uh, to a, a Holstein mix? Well, there's some, some excellent uh, ideas behind the, the crossbreeding. Uh, and it, it's obvious that you say bringing what Matt is saying about uh, optimizing uh, your herd, uh, uh, being more efficient. Um, there, it, That's quite obvious that, that crossbreeding is an, uh, an excellent tool to do that. Also considering some of the challenges that we do see in the Holstein breed, of course, we do improve the purebred animals we from a breeding perspective impure them uh, improve them on on fertility on metabolic disorders and and all these elements that that are some struggles for the everyday life for the farmer uh, but one you would say addition to that from on a herd level is to do the crossbreeding and and especially on these traits uh, where you get the hybrid vigor working very effectively on fertility and, and so on so so that is an excellent choice for for farmers And actually, we have a separate episode on crossbreeding here on the Breedcast where you can learn more about two of the programs that Holstein is a part of. One is ProCross and the other is uh, Viking Golden Cross. So it sounds like a greater focus on collaboration between the farmer and the staff on the farm, like you both mentioned, vet, hoof trimmer, feed advisor, etc., Together with selecting healthy genetics and efficient feed, to Matt's point, uh, is a way forward. That sounds like quite a, a, a lucky combination here. Let's take a look at the future of uh, Holstein breeding because I'm curious to to hear your perspectives of what 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 are we approaching. Uh, Matt, what can Holstein dairy farmers expect in the years to come? If you sit with your little crystal ball. Uh, well, I think the, the health, welfare and sustainability areas are going to become uh, more and more prominent in the industry going forwards. Um, we're, we're seeing, as I say, we've, we've seen that with regards to the slaughtering bull calves. There are other areas that are being looked at uh, in terms of uh, dehorning and removal of calves from mothers. Uh, methane emissions, you know, that's that's a real key. Uh, the carbon footprint Is the, is the buzzword going around the place, net zero carbon emissions. So we're going to see a lot of that going forwards now. And, you know, what we've already seen um, within, the, within the breeding side is that uh, you, can, you can make quite a quick impact on methane emissions by having uh, increased longevity in the herd. So thereby, you're not having to rear so many replacements. So your number of animals on the farm reduces. So Even though we are a genetics business, um, you know we're, we're looking to promote, promote good uh, genetics in terms of uh, reaching these sustainability goals. And um, you know a farmer's investment in a dairy heifer is substantial, so you know he needs to maximise the lifespan of that animal going into the herd to get the maximum return. 
And, you know, if, a, if an animal is only lasting one or two lactations, that's not going to give them the return on that, uh, on the rearing that animal. So we, we've got to look at different ways and look at different areas of the business that drive drive it forward in terms of not only profitability, but meeting the, the health and welfare and sustainability goals that are going to be set to the to the farmers going forwards. Well, when you speak to UK and uh, farmers and the farmers in Ireland, uh, what are they saying? Are they, uh, you know, are they excited about <laughs> trying to live up to all these new, you know, demands and climate? Is it is it a worry to them? You know what I mean? Like, because that's just a, there's a lot for a farmer to be aware of and cope with today. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is a lot, and I think it's it's a step by step approach. You know, you're not going to achieve everything in one year. You know, you've got to look several years down the line, and that's what we've looked to do is work with the farmers to to help them achieve these goals that are being set to them. Um, you know, in in three, four, five years, so that we can help them and guide them through that approach from the genetics point of view. And what we have in our armory with with, with feed efficiency, um, you know, etc. So we've we've got the tools there, but we we just need to guide them through. So it's it's a challenge, um, but I think it's one they're expecting because you know this is this has always been it's it's out there in, in the marketplace. You know, the consumer and the retailers are driving this. So these standards have to be met. So it, it's it's one that we just have to work together to achieve the to achieve it. Well. You know, obviously in the UK and Ireland, what Matt's saying, the consumers are driving the demand. We're seeing similar trends in the US and Australia when we speak to them, etc. In Northern Europe, there's a lot of focus as well on methane emission from farming, from cattle breeding. How How's that going to evolve, you think, Klaus, over the next few years? Mm, I, I think... Getting back to what Matt is also saying, I think the the farmers they they definitely honor the consumer demand in this, and they, I don't see any problems in this. I hear hear farmers saying that that they it's logical, longer living cows. It it sounds good. Uh, daily profit is that's you could say that's often how the farmer will see this. That if he can optimize his daily profit per cow. Uh, it's you could say it's of his interest as well and as matt is saying if if a cow is only having two three uh, or one two lactations well that's not enough to pay back even the rearing costs on on this uh, this cow so so the part about you could say looking at uh, at efficiency on farm level uh, from you say farm farm perspective is is very much in line with what the, the general uh, society is asking for in this um, and and of course i think it's also it's also important to keep in mind that you say it's it's also profit per day and in that is also a high production level so so it's not that Say that's not a, it's not always uh, reducing cost. You need the income. You need the high production uh, from long living cows, and that's that's what you will get from these long living cows. Of course, they will during their third or fourth or fifth lactation, they will they will produce a lot of milk uh, and and uh, and stay in production for a long time. We are seeing trends that, especially in other parts of the world, farms are becoming bigger, uh, and again, an increased focus on efficiency. Production, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, how how are farmers going to balance the you know what I mean the demand for being big and efficient, and then at the same time have focus on animal welfare and be you know what I mean have long living cows, healthy cows. 
what 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 uh, what tools do they have available from your perspective? But but I think as I said, this the efficiency aspect is very similar if you see it as a farmer or as a, or as a consumer looking at it from an environmental point of view, sustainable point of view. That that you say we need an efficient production. Everybody is aware of that. We we need to to uh, be efficient and sustainable in every way. And actually, quite often, I think the the sustainable production is the effective production. It's the the well managed uh, from good genetics herd that you could say that uh, in that that makes the the least uh, footprint on the environment. You could say. Um, so in that way, uh, there's a good good idea to improve uh, improve the animals uh, like we do from a, a genetic point of view. Mm. Matt, sort of closing remark statements uh, from from your end on this on this big topic. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we, you know, I look at it obviously have more experience in the UK and Ireland, but you know, we are seeing larger farms um, across the UK. The the average herd size is growing. Uh, but the number of animals in the UK, number of dairy cows in the UK isn't decreasing. So we're, you know, but it, it is very much uh, going to be driven by, you know, these these, business, these are businesses, you know, they're not, you know, that's what they regarded as. So they've got to be profitable. And that's, that's going to be driven by looking at the, the whole business as a whole, identifying where the weak points are and trying to address that. And I, I firmly believe that the, the breeding side of that has a huge role to play. In uh, in achieving the goals that they're looking to looking to looking to get to, is Holstein going to continue to be the world dominating breed? Well, if you ask me, then yes, of course. <laughs> I I have no no doubt about that. But 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 uh, because of of the things we talk about here, that you would say having animals in such a high number opens up some opportunities uh, so of course it also depends on if we uh, act responsibly uh, and and we should and and we are of course in in this and then i think it's also worth to maybe ease up a little bit on the breed thought uh, because well holstein crossbreeding or or whatever it can easily in the future be uh, that we do not uh, look at breeds but more look at uh, yeah productive animal However, they are made then, uh, but uh, try to ease up a little bit on the, the breed uh, aspect of it. Well, thank you for joining the Breedcast today. We've looked at how you can breed healthy, efficient and future-proof Holstein cows. And we've also looked at some of the trends on the horizon in sustainable cattle breeding. If you'd like to learn more, I encourage you to visit the Holstein uh, page on vikinggenetics.com. I want to thank Klaus Langdale and Matthew Stott for sharing these very valuable insights with us. And thank you to everyone out there for listening. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like us to uh, bring on the show or you have a question like Fleming had, please visit thebreedcast.com. My name is Louise Rowan Please join me for the next Breedcast episode on the latest trends in sustainable cattle breeding.